0: For I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is, what is today? Wednesday, August the 19th. Virginia is now um, a good ways into fall camp. The ACC, at least at this point, says they're still going to play. Um, the, there are virus outbreaks at Notre Dame and at, in Chapel Hill. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to pretend that those things aren't happening. We're going to talk about football like it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about uh, a, a range of topics uh, related to, to fall camp We're going to talk about, um, one, uh, Virginia did its first uh, jersey, um, or I guess number, sorry, number ceremony So we're going to talk about that, um, try to maybe glean some some things from that And then we're also going to talk about sort of what we've seen so far from camp, what we've heard from everybody And then at the end, I, I think we'll have a bigger discussion about uh, the news from the um, NCAA today, at least as, as it moves forward um the the i guess what do you want to call it the legislation or the um i don't know the approval process for um all student athletes in the fall regardless of how much they do or don't play um to retain a year of eligibility and what that means for you know football going forward before we get started let's go around and introduce everybody first we'll start up in fishersville david spence is back on the program how's it going dude
1: it's going pretty well yeah uh, it's going so well. I spent today trying to figure out how long it's been since competition, UBA related competition, and revenue sport. 160 days as of recording. 161 when it goes live tomorrow, which is 15 days longer than the all season between the national title and the start of last year's football season. It's been a long go. That's why you swing 3-0. Who days on the board at Who days on Twitter?
0: You should go back and count the number between UMBC.
1: Um, uh, 169
0: wow you did that that that, that <laughs> is dedication i'm yeah. very impressed up in arlington staff writer justin ferber also on the program what's going on dude
2: yeah i'm not here for the unwritten rules of baseball you swing 3-0 don't groove pitches you know like you're asking for it i caught that dave at yeah, justin underscore you. ferber on twitter
0: Cavs corner also on twitter Cavs underscore corner great place for the in-game updates content items and the occasional woody banter you know what's really great I had an idea that there was some weird, unwritten rule baseball thing, and I had no idea what it was, and I still don't know what it is, and there's a bunch of them. No, no, <laughs> but I'm saying like the current kerfuffle right now in the uh-huh. uh, in the zeitgeist, right? that um, there's a thing that right now people are all upset about. Somebody did something I'm, I'm guessing that somebody hit a grand slam um, in, in, a, in a situation where they shouldn't have done that um, on three it was on a three0 pitch, huh Ooh. Tough, yeah. tough, look hey, for my swing guy. Away. But um, I just kind of love the fact that like I have no idea what that is. Like yeah, I don't. And know, you like, don't want
2: us to tell you, do you?
0: I, I, at this point, I kind of, I think I already know what I need to know, which is like there are a bunch of people that got um, their feelings hurt because some dude hit a grand slam when the basically team was up. you're not supposed
2: to swing three three oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah, up, yeah. No. Like I know. I know counts. that
0: part. I just didn't know that like somebody like recently did that, other
1: than mm-hmm. like you. Know, oh, he did it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, he did oh, that. Oh, he
1: did that. Than, like, not sure it was worse than letting the pitcher walk in a run up you know, down seven. So yeah, you have a lot, there's a lot greater chance of you uh, walking the dude on the next two pitches than it is him hitting it out. So yeah, whatever. Stupid well, rules.
0: Speaking of rules, let's talk about, wow. I'm really glad I didn't use the term stupid. Um, so Virginia awarded its, uh, first batch of numbers, um, the other night, um, as is their custom. Um, I I, want to go on a little bit of a rant for a second Um, Just real quick Can I just tell you How salty I am That for the first time I don't know When have they ever had names on the back of their jerseys When they didn't have the numbers And I can't watch practice It would have made my life So much better To have names on the back of the jerseys Right Or you know Like to have some sort of whatever Until you got to the first number ceremony I just want to complain um, to whoever was. I like one.
2: to think that it was done on purpose. It was, yeah, it like probably it, was. Until like when COVID happened, they were like, "Well, now they can't come, so we'll put names on the back." I mean, who knows? Bro?
1: No, I think I think it's, it's got to be right related track. to the it's contact it's contact tracing.
2: Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. Yeah,
1: it's kind con-
0: of yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's it's there, but it's it's everybody want, they want to keep those guys wearing the same stuff, right?
1: No, well, I think it's if someone gets sick, you go back and watch the practice film, you can see who's beside them now. Well, maybe, next well
0: maybe that's a good indication of what they should do to try to help me do my job, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> like or it, also, you know, now with all these transfers that keep adding, they really don't know who the players that's are. That's very fair. So, it's very
0: fair. Yeah. Like, wait, who is that? Yes. Um, <laughs> oh,
2: that's one of those JMU guys that just drove
0: down here started playing. <laughs> yeah. Brighten the lights. Um. So, no, like, dude, it those first couple practices, like, you're, you're – let me just explain this for anybody who is Like so part of it is you go To practice and what I would do Is I would essentially watch during warm Ups typically um, You know guys are on the field doing some Sort of work before they actually start to actually Practice right they're you know Taking some fake reps you know whatever And you're you're looking at wristbands You're looking at like all right who's Wearing who's wearing this you Know this color underneath their jersey or this You know these tights or whatever you're looking for Some sort of way to attach Something to a player's face So that you can go Okay that's Mandy Alonso Right And so you know That when you see A bunch of dudes in the middle And you see You know Orange sleeves You're like Okay that's Mandy Alonso The fact that like I would not have had to do that this year I mean maybe I would have You know If this whole thing hadn't happened But uh, just You know I'm sure I'm sure this is great For everybody to, to hear me griping about how I wanted my job To be made easier for me Um but anyway, I digress. So first batch of numbers comes out. Any surprises to you guys? Any surprises other than I guess Paris Jones getting one, Cohen King getting one are probably okay. the two st- Nash Griffin st-
1: right.
2: yeah, Nash Griffin. Um, nowadays, you kind of gotta expect a few walk-ons because there's always true. some. I mean, a walk-on got the first one last year. so true. true. There's always a few. um who st- what stood out to you, Ferber? Um, honestly, I just expected more guys to get him. Um, maybe, maybe, I mean, I'm not like totally shocked or anything, but guys like that played um, a decent amount, but but didn't get him in the first one. Uh, Billy Kemp, Tavares Kelly, um, Juwan Briggs, Wicks, potentially, even though he didn't pl- like get a ton of you know touches last year or anything. Um they were just like a number of guys that that were contributors that didn't get him right away. But, I mean, I, I expect those guys to get numbers in the next group. And then you have all the transfers. A lot of times the transfers get them, I don't want to say like right away, but earlier than some of the younger guys because I think that, you know, they're they're held to a standard that's a little different where it's like they're kind of getting credit almost for like work they put in at the school prior. And then, you know, they're just, they're just veterans. Um, and you know they're going to play. So – um yeah i mean i expect those guys to get numbers in the next group no, no no huge surprises or anything i mean i think if you pay attention to like who doesn't have a number it kind of helps you figure out sometimes like maybe who's not there um True. but other than that you know it, it was pretty pretty much I, I there weren't a lot of guys that got them where i was like wow that guy got one it was more like oh that guy didn't get one yet but i expect them to get them soon
0: what about you dave
1: anything uh, surprise mm-hmm. you yeah, the Sammy, I'm a little surprised at um, a couple of the number changes. Like, I mean, Armstrong sure. makes sense going to five since he played with that in high school. But Nash Griffin doing the Joe Reed route, as Jeff White pointed out, going from 81 to two, um, it's pretty pretty interesting. Xander getting to zero. I, I guess I should have seen. Him yeah, that run, was kind of. I fun. didn't. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think the big thing I think I texted you guys about it is like, what number is KT going to be? <laughs> there's not a lot of quarterback numbers left i like think you got 14 out there that's about it um 14 17 yeah three 4, 14
2: and 17 i think and 19. yeah 19 yeah,
1: available yeah 12 is not we always know that um, but as we know yeah, i mean any number it <laughs> can be a quarterback number yeah yeah um but yeah i mean overall it's you know not not really surprising briggs was probably the only one who i might have expected to see but it seems like a lot of this was based on what these guys did during the uh, time away from the program. So, um, and we know it's voted on by players. So,
2: yeah. And I, also, uh, I don't think there were a lot of players that are second year and below. Maybe none that got numbers.
1: King's second year, right?
2: Third, I think. I think he's
1: in third, his third year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Red shirts yeah, and Paris Jones
2: too. I think Paris Jones third or fourth year. Nick Jackson was one of the ones that I know. Yeah, I was like, I because at first I was like, oh, none of them got one, but then it seems like you know he got one. So, I mean, he was one of the guys. So, so it's not like a complete. It wasn't like a rule or anything that those guys couldn't get one. Um, yeah, but yeah. So I mean I, I'm not too worried. If you get, see a guy that doesn't have a number like after the third round, then it's like okay, yeah, what's going on? exactly.
0: And that's kind of where I was going. It's like the, the first round you you get basically a lot of the dudes you expect and a handful of dudes that you didn't. It's this next round. It's when it's it's really not the positive. It's the negative, right? It's the dude who didn't get a number, and you're like, oh, like that's not a good sign.
2: Um, I always feel like the third round is the most interesting one because that's when like the freshmen usually get their numbers. True. true. And then it's like okay, who do, who do we think is actually playing? Because you know, the guy, the freshmen that get numbers play. So, you know, you kind of can figure it out from there. There's a few exceptions here and there, but for the most part, you know, you look at last year, what freshmen got numbers, right? Hollins, Wicks, um, Nick Jackson, Goddard, you know, all those guys, they all played. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an indication of Briggs. who might reg. Um, right. Um, yeah. Briggs, of course.
0: I think too, for me, the, the Jersey thing, that's when I start to get excited about football. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the first day of practice and it, and it hurts my heart that I wasn't there this year. Um, I made jokes earlier, but realistically, like it's been, it's been super strange for me to like, you know, cover things from home um, in the sense that like previously, I mean, look, there was no spring ball. Right, so then I'm just on these te- what amount to teleconferences with coaches or players or whatever at various points. Um, to not have to have to, for them to have practice all, and not be able to go is just it's just super weird. And I'm certainly not saying anything that's not you know everybody's experienced a whole bunch of stuff throughout all of this that's super weird. Um, but it's been super strange and and uh, I hate not 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 being there, not being able to see practice and just going off just the clips that they they post or that, you know they, they I will say this for UVA and I do want to make sure I say this publicly. Like has done a really nice job um one of giving us access um to people to talk to um regularly and then two to share um media with us so pictures, video audio that kind of thing. Um, they have made not being there a, a lot easier And I want to pre- I want to say thank you Because, I mean, you know, this time of year, dude My, you know, my site is basically all You know, preseason football all the time Just about, um, you know, because usually by this point We've gotten through most of, you know You're not really talking about travel ball anymore There obviously aren't any more camps um, This is kind of, usually, you know This is a dead period for recruiting So, I mean, this is the time when When that picks up, so I want to, I, I do want to give a shout out To Jim Daves and all the folks at UVA for, for Making all that happen Um before we leave the Jersey thing, um, I gotta talk about Zane D or rocking the zero. Um, I don't think that there's a per- more perfect person on the on the roster to do to be the first one. Um, we had I, I, did anybody call him when we had that conversation the other night, the other day?
2: No, I think we all just said lineman.
0: I man. did not, <laughs> because I figured it would be uh, I figured it would be a lineman. I did not. I did. I, I mean, I didn't. I, I don't know. I, Snowden seems like eleven is his thing. I could have seen Taylor do it, but seven's a pretty sweet number. Um, but I just figured lineman. I I don't know why I didn't think of Zander because it's perfect. Um, and if he doesn't if he doesn't come out in, like the Brian Bosworth, you know, neck roll thing this year, I'm gonna be very disappointed. Um, he's embra- he's embracing the crap out of that character, and I I appreciate it. Um. All right, let's let's move to some so some things we've seen from practice. Um, we, we we don't get a whole lot in terms of you know real football. We get a handful of highlights here and there. Um, you know we we get a sense of like who's playing, doing what. So you, you know you're seeing Oluwatimi at center, for example. You're not really seeing him move around, but it does feel like the offensive line is doing a good amount of shuffling. Um, I can't re- remember if it was Olu or if it was uh, Dylan Ranksmeyer who said that you know essentially the that the offensive line is moving around a lot. Um, as they try to figure out the best five. I think that was Olu. Um, what are some takeaways for you, Ferber, um, from what you've been able to glean from various places to this point? Any, anything sitting in your mind as preseason winds
2: on? Um, <laughs> it's so hard to, to take anything from like these little bits, nuggets that we get. Um, it seems like Brendan Armstrong is, is in a good spot, um, which is not that big of a surprise. Um, you know, he, he was the incumbent, sort of, so to speak. Uh, it's, it seems like he's involved in a lot of these clips, which, I mean, take for that what you want. Uh, we were talking about a little bit before the, the show started, and, and really what kind of got me recently was just the lack of depth at the running back position. Um, you know, you, you have Ronnie Walker, who's waiting for his waiver, and, you know, there's a decent chance he gets it, I guess, but, you know, that's not a given. And then you have Shane Simpson, who's new. Uh, from Towson and then you have Wayne Talapapa, and then that's the end of the list of running backs as far as I know for scholarship guys anyway um so I mean you're in a spot where you know you really need him to get that waiver and if not you're going to be relying on walk-ons so I mean while we you know one of the things we were looking for this offseason was you know an improvement of the running game you know there's not a ton of depth in that area you know so I think they're just going to have to find a way to to make do with what they have and and hopefully he gets that waiver because that that could be a huge turning point for them one way or the other
0: I agree with that what about you dave what do you what are your thoughts
1: yeah i mean brennan's obviously in a lot of the clips so i mean if you had to take a bet on who's starting game one yeah, i think that's the safe money um i was kind of interested they put out a clip today with ronnie walker catching a, a running back screen which we haven't seen in I don't know that we've seen one since it, the staff has been here. You know, we've had some running back like like players, Clarks but it's true screen. Yeah. And then earlier today they had, you know, Brennan hooking up with uh, Joshua Rawlings for a little touchdown down near the goal line. Um, so, I mean, both of those things are, are definitely not something that was bread and butter for the offense in the past, you know, using the tight end and the screen game. So, clearly they're looking to do something a little different. Um We'll see what that looks like. Should should games get played? I was I've been paying attention a little bit to the defensive secondary. It seems like they're rotating a lot of guys through there. in the pictures we've seen now, we don't know if we're seeing ones or twos. But you know, I saw King King back there a lot, and now Jeff White did a piece on him today, which usually means he's impressing people. Yeah, that's usually the, um, the seal of, uh,
0: of some sort of approval.
1: Yeah, and you know, if you add him, that certainly adds. You know, if if he's good enough. You know, he's he's already got a number. He's talking about wanting to be a starter. Um, Coach the staff saying nice things about him. So you you add him with with the guys that are already back. That certainly certainly adds some depth, you know, some depth to the probably the biggest question mark on the defense. Um, not as far as like potential talent, but you know, healthy talent. Um, yeah, and then it looks like the kicking game's really good. They had a cool video today. I like
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> they had a cool video today. Um, that was pretty awesome. I, I think one thing that you can, you know, I I'd always caution people on this kind of thing, right? So, like, you, you very rarely get a whole lot of just good on good, like ones versus ones, um, unless it's a scrimmage. Um, it, you, you get glimpses, right? And, and I always think that, like, when I go to practice, really what I'm paying attention to is like, who is doing. Who is doing what when they're out there, right? So, for example, your point about Ronnie Walker in the screen, right? We could make a mountain out of that um, when it could be just molehill. But the reality is, is like that seeing him do it at all is 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 a fairly, you know, good sign, so to speak, right? But just knowing that, you know, for example, that Brennan is in a lot of these sh- these clips. So, like, if you know somebody springs a giblet, right? You don't see him out there. Their 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 lack of um inclusion is typically a, a, a tell right um i we to bring up the jersey thing from earlier i'll be really curious you know do the transfer kids get jerseys this second batch if thompson gets a jersey i think that's a really good sign for the team not necessarily for you know for you know obviously it would probably be a good sign for him individually but i think it's a good sign for the team because that means that the other guys are seeing him as somebody who 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 fits who works who earns right And that's always the question mark and that's one thing about Camp that I you know about this camp that I'm You know even more frustrated about not being able to see You've got so many different faces So many new dudes right you got John, you've got um, Amos you've got you know there's all these Dudes um, And we've not seen A whole lot of these you know play Right away guys have a lot of success Right so think about last Year Dejan Brazette Um Terrell Chapman, both, you know, were, I mean, for varying different reasons, right? Not necessarily as integral to the big plan, but some of these cats have to be, right? Like if Ryan Walker gets that waiver, he's going to play and probably play a lot. Um, so I think for me, the big, the biggest takeaway is just sort of seeing how the pieces are fitting together, even if that doesn't really give us a whole lot of, you know, hard and fast information about what the offense is going to look like or um, anything like that. Um, One thing that has has stood out to me has been it seems like the guys have adjusted very well to the sort of weirdness of trying to prepare for a football season amid a pandemic, you know? Like um I feel like every time I see them with the with those extended face shields and it looks like it's, you know, a hundred percent humidity in there. Um I, I feel like they don't seem to be slowing – it doesn't seem to be slowing them down. And certainly when we talk to them, when, when we have access, they, they they don't seem to be at this point bothered by it. Um, so I think that's a good sign because obviously those, you know, parameters and pro- protocols are going to be in place for a long time. Um, anything else on uh, the preseason so far um, before we switch gears? Do you think – well, let me yeah, ask – Yeah, I mean, you, I think – Great. No, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, go ahead. I was
1: going to say, I mean, I think the one – yeah, the one thing that's going to be interesting as the numbers get handed out, um, it's going to be obvious who's not here eventually. Um, so that I assume we'll start getting some formal releases, and they've got to figure out how they can handle it. Because with the number system, it makes it hard for you to hide that, especially if you have some players who would be expected to have a number who four weeks in don't have one. Mm-hmm. So that that is a buy. For, you know, maybe I'm sure Broncos thought about this. Trust me, he thinks about everything. But, yeah, you know. And I'm sure rumors are out there, but it's going to be a little clearer <laughs> over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, let's let's touch on that real quick. So, so there obviously are guys who are not in camp. I mean, I'm not going to like run away from yeah. that. I mean, there's just there's obviously dudes who are not there. Um, I posted on the board this week, you know, to answer a question that like yes, they have. You know, Bronco has said this. You know, the names are. I want to say well-known, but they're, you know, they're not like super secrets, but I, I mean, if you go back like three minutes, I pretty much gave you one. Yeah, you did. So Um, yeah, which I thought about at the time, but, but see, here's the thing though. It's like, it's just like when there's a commitment coming, right? To me at least, right? When there's a commitment coming, Bronco puts out a thing and says, you know, here's the bad signal right now. Nine times out of 10, you know who that dude's going to be. You don't even need a whole lot, you know, if you're, if you're paying attention. So if you're if you're if bronco comes out and says yep we got some dudes that are opted out for you know i that are not here either because they're opting out due to covid or you know whatever um i mean it's not but at the same time i don't think like if these kids were announcing them themselves like some of these guys have like you know different guys have said hey you know i'm I'm gonna sit the season out or whatever i feel like then you know then it's more open for conversation um that's not to say that like there aren't going to be some impacts, I mean there clearly are going to be some impacts felt with some of the dudes that aren't um, at least as of now. And that's the other thing. Those cats could show up tomorrow. They could already be have shown up and be sort of in quarantine and just because they're not in the pictures doesn't mean they're not going to be on. You know what I'm saying? Like we it's one of those things that like until it's an official announcement or until a player says, "Hey, I, this is my plan." you kind of can't assume anything. It's almost like transfers. Like, transfers aren't b- bound to do whatever they said they were going to do until they enroll. You know what I mean? Like, you can't really, yeah. in some situations, count on it happening until it happens. And that's kind of where I am with the with the opt-out guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess my point, you know, eventually it'll come out, but, you know, the way they traditionally do numbers, they'll be doing it up to the week of the game. So, potentially, you wouldn't... if things keep rolling around to where they're going to play a game and game week comes and those guys don't have a number, then you clearly know they're not here. And at that point you would have found out anyway, but you know, I don't see the point if the guys don't want to release it, the program doesn't want to release it two weeks from now in the middle of camp, they could call this whole thing off and no one needed to know. No one would have ever known anyway. Um, so I mean, yeah, I think it's just a little bit of, it's a little bit of nothing in a, in a big, in a whole lot of something going on. But I know for 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 information starved fans, competition starved fans, every little morsel is becomes bigger than it really is. So, um, I mean, you saw it on the message board this week. People trying to (laughs) trying to find out who it was.
0: And and that's and you know that's totally natural too. Like if you're somebody who's like, hey, I want to know who it is. I get that. Like I get it. And and in some point, you know, and and this is not an invitation to do so. But at some point, somebody's going to just gonna post the names, and I'm not gonna like delete it. You know what I mean? But I'm like, I'm not going to like go out there and confirm it. Um, it's not like a break. Yeah, and I mean, like I mean, it's
2: not, it's not like a state secret really. Like if you, if you wanted to take the time to look through every photo that they've posted, you could eliminate 80% of the team.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, and I mean, look, I, Full disclosure, I did that exact same thing. The first batch or two of pictures that that they allowed us to have for – I mean, we
2: do that even during a normal year just to see if there's anybody that's, like, hurt. hurt,
0: Right, hurt or whatever, or, you know, guys rehabbing who haven't haven't been cleared yet, that kind of thing. Um, And and listen, there's also the reality that, like, due to we've seen in clips – or guys who have jerseys could opt out. Man, that's, that's yeah. I was going to
2: say the opposite situation is just as likely. Exactly. You know, one of the, somebody you know? could just decide not to play, and j- that's the same thing. I mean, somebody could get hurt tomorrow. Like you don't know. Like nothing's permanent. So yeah, it's just part of the deal. UVA, I mean, UVA doesn't have a lot of guys on their team that are like surefire high draft picks. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of guys sit out to prepare for the draft. But you could have guys skip a year and come
1: back. Uh, it's possible. Um uh, mm,
0: the the the, the prospect of, of skipping a year <laughs> the prospect of of guys skipping a year hmm. um so let's let's segue as ferber's opened that up perfectly for us um so the NCAA came out today and essentially said look if you're a fall sport athlete any whether you play or you don't you're going to get that year of eligibility back um that is the that is the proposal that's going to go to the what is it the board of Board of Chancellors, or I don't know, whatever the NCAA calls it, governors. There it is. Um, yeah, that's right, because it's the council that then gives it to the Board of Governors, right? Um, so anyway, so like as of Friday, that probably will become the law of the land. I tweeted out tonight, and I, I kind of want to have a little bit of discussion about this. That like that's a that's a that's the right call, and I hope that the NCAA will give schools guidance on what the roster limitations will be in 2021-22 twenty twenty one twenty two. Because if, for that year, schools don't know how many dudes they can carry, that means that these poor 21 recruits, who haven't been able to visit anywhere, right, are probably going to have to make their decisions, almost almost certainly going to have to make their decisions without any sort of official visits. Uh, we, we still don't know what is happening with signing day, which is understandable. The NCAA probably has a lot more uh, pressing stuff right now, but... It, it's, I think it's imperative for those kids to know what the situation is. Um you know what the um what what sort of what what they're getting themselves into when it comes to rosters. Because I'm telling you, I know there are gonna be a bunch of schools they're gonna be promising kids playing time to get them to sign. And then the instant that happens, be like, oh wait, the NCAA said we can keep these kids, you're gonna to have to just sit. And listen, if you're a player and you go and you're recruiting, you go into a situation where a school is promising you PT and you don't look at the depth chart yourself to understand like, Oh, this kid's a senior, but he's still going to come back. Um, maybe in some way that's on you, but man, I feel so terrible for these 21 kids. We haven't talked a lot about just how screwed up this is for them specifically and how horrid, uh, this process is for them compared to, you know, pretty much any other recruiting cycle. What do you guys think about that? Do you feel like that the kids need to know that? Or is that, small potatoes in the big scheme of things. Ferber, let's start with you.
2: That's tough. Um, I think you want people operating with as much information as possible. Um, I mean, obviously things are changing all the time, so this isn't normal. I mean, anything across this sport right now is different. I mean, if I told you a year ago that UVA would be looking for their first opponent of the season like three, four weeks before the game, Um, I mean, that wouldn't make any sense, but, you know, we kind of have to accept it to get what we want. Um, I, I think, you know, the player, it's not just their football careers are live sometimes like, you know, you, you don't want to be too uncertain about what's going on there. But I mean, obviously, as long as it comes down in a, situ- in a way that gives them more opportunities, then I think it's fine. You know, you have to kind of make sure you get the decision right. Um, I'm I'm sure that a lot of different people have been brought in to kind of talk about what the pros and cons are of different opportunities, you know, different avenues that could go down. But um, I think that y- you want to make sure that they have the information and and can make the right decision for them. I guess. What do you think,
1: Dave? Yeah. Look, I feel bad for the the seniors. I feel bad for the upcoming juniors. You know, in high school, but the the ones I've if they're worse for, aren't like look. Those guys are going to get a chance to play somewhere. Maybe not where they're committed now, and they some of them will make decisions to move elsewhere. Um, my guess is the NCAA doesn't approve this free year basically, unless they. I mean, my guess is they approve it, but they also approve it and tell you they will not count against your eighty-five scholarship gap. Um, and that's been that's been reported yeah. as well. Yeah. And I don't know how you could re- approve without doing that because what will happen is you'll just run off all your bad seniors, right? You'll know, just keep the good ones um, who aren't going to the NFL. And you're going to have a bunch of guys trying to transfer. And so, yeah, the that's where portal
2: it, next summer is going to be insane. Oh, it's going to be a
1: crap show. And especially if, you know, think of how many grad transfers you potentially have now. Um,
0: well, here's my question. I don't mean to cut you off, Dave, but you mentioned no, no. The, the portal. All right. So <laughs> um, some of these kids going to double dip. Because can can a can a kid transfer? Right.
1: Oh yeah, and then transfer again.
0: Tra- well, not just. Well, that's actually a good point too. But I was thinking about this whole fall spring situation, right? Go so, back. No, 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 no. A kid who is at school X who plays in the fall, who then uh-huh. decides to leave and goes to school Y, which is going to play in the spring. Oh, I don't think you'll
1: see that. I don't. I don't, I, think, you'll see I,
0: I, I don't think so either. But. If there's anything that I've learned so far, it's that somebody will find a loophole somewhere, right? And unless the NCAA expressly says that you can't play at one more than one institution in the same calendar year, but if that year doesn't count, right? Yeah. And if it doesn't count, and it essentially, if you think about it, the clock has always been the easiest way to explain to people how the NCAA and, and eligibility works. You know, once you arrive, you, your clock starts, and you have a certain amount of time, and da 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 and there are certain things that it can happen for you to sort of reset that clock. The clock doesn't run for any of these kids in the fall. Right? So now I'm not yeah. saying that it, that it makes any sense because it doesn't make any sense, no. but no, no, nothing doesn't. about any of this makes
2: any sense. You know what I mean? I think it's yeah, an I mean, interesting idea, but I think they could easily close that oh, yeah, loophole. For sure. Yeah. yeah. With, all they'd have to yeah. say is like, you can only compete for one team in the season and then consider this part of the same season.
0: Yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely. The same academic year. Absolutely. But, the NCAA still has not said when signing day is right. It's <laughs> But August also, August.
2: damn if somebody won't try. Somebody I'll will try, that.
0: and you know what's going to happen? They're going to put that paperwork through, and the NCAA is like, "Wait, wait, you can't do this." And they're going to be like, "Where does it say I can't do this?" And then they're going to have yeah. to get some board of you know board yeah, of governors. They're
2: going to play meeting. like thirty games
1: in, <laughs> in two years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I texted you guys about the uh, if this year doesn't count, shouldn't they shouldn't waivers not matter? But I mean, that was kind of in jest because. Like it doesn't count in the sense that if you are eligible and you participate this year, it doesn't count as a year of participation. You still got to be eligible, which means you've got to be, you know. Yeah, that's. Grades.
2: The only, I mean, like technically, it's different because you know they're deciding whether someone's eligible or not. But you're, yeah. it shouldn't matter. You wouldn't think because it's basically like they're saying, like this year is just for practice anyway. No, you no, whatever. It, so. it
1: has to matter, or you could just send all the school kids home, like, tell them not to worry about class because they yeah, planning. you could just they're not praying. take
2: classes or whatever. Yeah.
1: Or you could sign up a got bunch of matter. high school kids or something. That's why I think Ronnie Walker will still need a waiver, and that's why you've got to do that so that you don't get what we're talking about, where a guy tries to transfer in December. Because, look, they're already talking about you know one of the reasons there's so much pushback on the spring football plan is you'll be playing too much football in a calendar year. Like, God forbid you play up till de- end of December or whatever, and then run over and play again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I, I think. I think it'll get passed for sure. And I think there'll be no counts of the seniors. Uh, I do feel you'll probably have, it probably won't just be your seniors transfer and it'll be the juniors who are waiting behind someone to play. Um, who, now that dude's back again. Um,
2: yeah. Like imagine quarterbacks
1: where it's like, yeah.
2: you know, you're a fourth year quarterback, a red shirt junior sitting behind a senior and <laughs> yeah. you're like waiting your
1: turn. And, and, then, and, and, and then he comes imagine,
2: back <laughs> or whatever, imagine, yeah, imagine, something
1: like that. Yeah, so I mean, I selfishly like we've talked. To, you know, I've, I've mentioned several times. I, I think Virginia's culture is is built to go through this. For Virginia, the football team, this could be really good because they're losing some key seniors who, yeah, without a really really good senior year, probably wouldn't be NFL caliber yet or NFL draft draftable yet. I'm not talking about Snowden. I'm talking about a couple of offensive linemen and um, you know Richard Bernie could come back and get his what. Second PhD Eleventh year I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah. He's suddenly he, He's suddenly like the uh, The the mythical, you know, dude who never leaves um, Except he's actually him You know, he's like what we all thought that um, yeah. Perry Ellis actually was, you know um, And it's not just that But like, alright, one So I just, I realized Like dudes graduate in December all the time Right? You're gonna have a great. There's, it's gonna happen. There's gonna be a kid who's gonna have, who's gonna get his degree in December, have a year of eligibility, all of a sudden, and say, you know what, I'm gonna go play at Ohio State. That's gonna happen. Book that. Book, Brad said that at thirty-five ish minutes or whatever it is in his podcast, because um, that's happened. But no, that's a good point. Like uh, a couple of these dudes on the offensive line certainly could stay, um, and that does kind of fix in some way some some issues. Um, I got to be honest. Is there a team in America more well-positioned to make the most hay out of roster uncertainty than Bronco Mendenhall's team? Because does anybody in the country have as much experience out of having to deal with, like, the most randomness of random when it comes to guys and who's coming and who's there and who's not, right? Like, they're they're kind of yeah. good at that, right? Now, granted, it's been a few years since they've had to worry about a whole bunch of guys being gone on missions and coming back and that kind of thing. Um, but like in terms of planning and and in terms of succession, um, if you look at UVA's roster right now, certainly the tight end position. Um I mean, I c I, I can't imagine Paul John would come back, but what you what you do is you allow guys to play and and they essentially you don't have to worry about the redshirt rule. Right? Yeah. Remember, no. We had this whole conversation God, when was that? I don't even know. Um, about you know What would happen With the redshirt rule Right So would if, if If you If you only played Four games But your team Or you only played You know whatever And your team played Such and such Well now it doesn't matter Everybody's gonna be able To get that year back So you can play anybody As much as you want um, So in a lot of ways It will help them In a variety of different Departments um, It does make the Quarterback battle A little bit more interesting In the sense that You got a kid That's coming in Who you feel good about Right, in in Rodriguez, you've got, Ira Armstead already there, um, and now you got these two guys who, you know, for all intents and purposes are having a, a a nice competition so far. Right, there's just so many different ways that that the roster thing sort of tentacles off. I mean, I don't think that there's anybody in in Virginia's 21 class that's going to think about going to somewhere else because guys are going to be back, um, but. It does. It does raise some interesting points um, in terms of you know the the
2: possibilities. Um, I think one of the things that we'll have to well UVA doesn't have it. Yeah, you're right. A ton of guys that are going to be like expecting to be players right away. I don't think. Um, but also think about UVA's team now, right? And, and yes, you do have the potential ability to have your seniors come back if this gets passed. Um, what if the NFL decides? You know what? We're going to let people test the waters and then go back, or the NCAA, I guess, would have to make that rule. But because um, if that's the case, you know, I'm just going to use him as an example. What if Charles Snowden doesn't like where he's going to go in the draft? You know, Th- then then things really can change. You know, it just depends. Yeah. Like you could you could have a huge shift. But it, I think if the NFL draft rule stays the same, a lot of guys are going to just depart after the season if it gets played. Um, some guys won't, but some guys that are that are in the NFL draft consideration whatever will probably leave anyway, but if that rule changes, that could really change things for a lot of players.
0: Yeah,
1: it's an interesting Yeah, and Yeah, I mean when we're talking a lot about the seniors, but to me like the interesting thing like one of my concerns has been like four games in though when four teams have everyone opt out at that point so they can keep their redshirt year. I think you, this kind of takes that out of the equation now. Um, they can still field a competitive team. You know, you'll still have guys opt out because, you know, an individual decision is a lot different than a one-year eligibility. But I um, would be interesting. You talk, think about, you know, you could play an entire year. Brendan Armstrong could start every game or Keaton could, and it wouldn't count. Like, and you get them for every year moving forward. Um, you know, IR Armstead can get a whole year in the system, And then take a red shirt year next year. Um, So yeah, it definitely, it it does start stacking up a little bit when you think of it that way. Um, But the, uh, I think the other, you know, the, the fly in the ointment, we probably, we probably aren't talking about enough is how many schools are going to have enough money to pay for an extra 20 to 25 scholarships for a year. Um, So there will be some pressure, I think from the top and from the, you know, from the fundraising bodies that fund these scholarships to say, if, if that's a, if that's a six year dude who's played two games. Maybe we don't invite him back next year. Yeah, that's a Yeah, I mean I, Bronco you know.
2: kind of operates on that way anyway. And I yeah, think he does. that and that's cool. Like I think that would work. But I think he would have to be more picky. Because you also have a bunch of guys coming in behind them, you know, in the twenty twenty one class. So Certainly. and then you if you want to keep some room open for a couple of transfers, you can't keep everybody. Yeah, um but
1: but it was a very senior heavy, heavy class Virginia has this year.
2: Um so I mean, and you honestly, have they have a lot of like of right.
1: big impact players in this
2: class too. I mean, oh yeah. if you Think about the defense of... specifically. You have Joey Blunt, Zane Zandier, uh, Charles Snowden. Um, yeah, Matt Gamba Jr.
1: I think. And Gama
2: Senior. Yeah, Richard Burney will be back for his PhD.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Doctor Doctor Richard Burney. And you got um, Rinkersmeyer, Glazer, Nelson. They're all seniors, correct? And then on the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot.
0: Yeah. And you also got Mandy Alonzo. Yeah.
1: He's a senior. Is
0: he a senior? Yeah, he's a senior, too. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Now, here's the thing. Yeah, you have a lot of guys that are like, hey, I'm a fringe draft prospect. Right. Um, You know, maybe maybe my draft stock doesn't go up if I come back because I get a year older as well. That's part of it, too. Um, But also, you know, maybe I start working on that master's degree in case I don't get drafted or whatever, you yeah. know?
0: That's kind of where I was yeah. thinking you guys mentioned I don't forget who said it just a second ago the idea of like well you know you, you you keep these dudes you don't have as many spots for you know transfers or what have you right in a way if you think of these guys they're almost like they are like transfers right they're dudes with experience who can help you right away now the difference of course is is that they have experience in your culture in your program and now you might want in in some cases to say okay player x He's pretty good But we probably could get Somebody for one year Who's a little bit better Right there's I mean I don't think There's any harm In admitting that out loud But if you think about them As essentially Transfers that you can keep In house Right guys who have Who have an extra year to play That you would like To plug some holes On the roster That you would otherwise have that's a That's a I think that's a good way To frame it And I'm not sure if If um, You know I'm not sure How many of these guys Want another year of college Right like yeah, I think exactly. I think Bryce Perkins honestly could have probably, if he had wanted to, gotten Arizona State to push, and he probably could have gotten the waiver right. Like I, th- I think I think that that was possible, and I think didn't Brinkirk also have? There was an option for him if he wanted to. To, to get that extra that other year But some of these dudes, they're just ready to move on with their life Right, they're they're in a different place And yeah. I'm sure that some of these seniors will be in the same spot Where, you know, you might pencil them in As, oh, this, Virginia's roster Would be much better off if player X Decided to, to use that extra year eligibility And the reality is that guy's just ready To do something else
2: Yeah, I mean, you'll probably have like a handful that do it I use Charles Snowden as an example But I can't imagine him doing that Like, unless he has Like some kind of weird season or something You know, like he just is the type of guy that's probably going to get drafted. So it's like, just move on. Um, yeah, but you might have a few guys here and there that could help you, especially with like depth. Um, UVA hasn't put a ton of offensive linemen in the league, but maybe if you could keep some of those guys for a sixth year, that's pretty good. You know, they're still worth having, you know?
0: Um, so let's, let's talk about the, the elephant in the room, which is, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about all this through UVA's lens. What does it mean? In the greater college football world at large Right Like On the one hand There's obviously the You know there's a At least at this point A path forward for a bunch of conferences And teams to play in the spring Um, I'm not really sure how that works If it works What that's going to look like Um, I'm not sure if I buy the idea right now That there are going to be a bunch of conferences That play in the fall And then some that play in the spring And then Everybody just gets back together next fall, if and just says, "Man, that got that got weird," but um, at least as of now, you know, all things being equal, right? The plan is for some of these leagues to play then, and some of these leagues to play um, um, now. I I don't know what to make of the way that this is going to change college football, not just in this this cycle or this year, this situation, but in years to come. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna reverberate a little bit. You um, know, just like not having um, travel ball is going to impact basketball recruiting for a whole bunch of kids and a whole bunch of programs for a couple of cycles, right? Because you're going to constantly be chasing the ghost that you, you know, where you, where you should have been, so to speak. How do we feel that all of this is setting up, at least from the roster standpoint? Like, I kind of feel like there are going to be a lot of young kids who are not going to be able to play as early as they... Maybe would have And in a way I kind of feel like That might be a good thing um, But I do think It's going to lead to A crap ton of transfers I mean Just the, the transfer portal Is about Is about to be like Is about to have That growth spurt In the summer When you know You, you grow eight inches Out of nowhere Right Like that thing Is going to Is going to look In just In no way Shape or form Like what it looked like Before Dave how do you feel like This is going to impact The greater landscape Of college football
1: I mean, I think like I said earlier, I do think it's it's almost like a life draft for a lot of the programs that are struggling right now with you know, the the ones that have had players question what they're doing, what the coaching staff is doing. You know, when they're when they were debating when those players are debating whether or not to go through with this season with the challenges they were facing, even in addition to the ones even the programs that are have a good relationship with the coaches and players are going through. You know, they, they were doing that before with the caveat, like, is this worth wasting a year of eligibility for? That's off the table now. So I think now they can kind of ride it ride it out and see what happens because, they're you know, they're not going to transfer anywhere else at this point in play this year. So I think for a lot of these programs, it is a life raft. Um, we don't know what the repercussions are going to be. Like, you're right, there's going to be a lot of transfers. We already have a lot of transfers. I get – I would be willing to bet this, the guys who are seniors at, a, like, you know, the guys that are seniors that are program who if they're allowed to come back and not count, they won't be able to transfer somewhere else and not count. So the, I think that'll discourage some of the older guys from transferring, but younger guys are already transferring at a pretty high rate. Um, and again, you know, it, it, whether or not it actually increases it, I, you can't say for sure. Cause you know, if kids are staying home or more comfortable with the staff now, and yeah, you know, I, I think, I think your relationship with your staff is going to mean even more than it had in the past after this. Um, and especially now I think when recruiting does resume, like what are the first questions these recruits are going to ask? Like, what was it like? How was the staff? Like, yeah, I think the, the staffs that, that have a very good relationship with their kids are going to get to get some benefit from it. Um, you know, it's not going to keep a kid from going to Alabama or Clemson if he gets an offer, but it's going to help a lot, of, a lot of programs that are doing right by the kids on the roster. Um, yeah, like I mean, there's so much that's going to change. Uh, we may, you know, most likely we've seen the end of college sports as we knew it before this. Um, I mean, I, I don't mean to be like throwing a monkey wrench 40 minutes into the podcast or whatever or 50 minutes in. But, I mean, if we play this year, it's almost 100% certainty there's going to be some kind of compensation for players coming down the line. So I think a lot's going to change. And if you want sports, you just have to deal with it.
0: I love that you said, I don't want to throw a monkey wrench. 40 minutes in yeah. Yeah. and then literally just did it anyway. Um, no, I don't think that was major. That was, I don't think that was a big money wrench. I think you're probably right about that. Honestly, like that's just sort of the way uh, it feels like it's going to go Ferber, what do you think? Do you, how do you feel like this um, is going to, you know, ha- how do you feel like this is going to impact the greater college football landscape?
2: Um, I think, you know, D- Dave mentioned the compensation thing. I think one of the more immediate things you might see is some sort of like college football, reimagining where it's not necessarily completely different than what we know now but um I think like the I don't want to say the word union because I don't know if that's necessarily what it would be but I think the the players will probably be more aligned in the future than than maybe they have been in the past and maybe the leagues will be more aligned. Um this situation has been a stress test on everything and a lot of teams are failing, a lot of leagues are failing. Uh, some are not failing so hard. Um you know, it other, you know, even the leagues that haven't bailed on football still could. I mean, they might not even be doing the right thing. It just, we're going to find out. But I think in the long term, th- there could be some, if this season is played, um, one of the reasons that I really hope that this season can get played safely is that I would really like to see some of the scheduling concepts that are yeah, um, I agree. in play become permanent. Um, I think. The schedule is bloated with non-conference games that are mostly against teams that don't really play at the same level. If you're a power five school, um, and you know those those games, we're used to them now. We've accepted it, um, but that doesn't have to doesn't mean it has to stay that way. I mean, if it twenty five years from now, if if the if ACC is playing ten league games and you play two non-league games, and one of those league games has to be or one of those non-league games has to be against a power five team or something like that. So you really only have one game that's like a fluff game. That could, I mean, we could look back and be like, "Why did we accept them playing three, four meaningless games every year? Like that seems so dumb." Or like, "Why did they play those schools?" Um, kind of like now, how we look back at the the record books of the twenties and thirties and forties and say like they were playing a flight school. Like what you know, it just it might seem antiquated at that point. Um, you know, I'm interested to see how that And that's why I kind of feel like things could there there could be some good that comes out of it if football is able to be played. I mentioned it like a month ago, potentially scheduling a little bit closer to the season than than four, five, six, ten, twelve years out. Um, I think could provide some more flexibility benefits. Um, I would like to see the leagues become more regional instead of about, you know, who brings in cable money because the cable money thing isn't really as big of a factor anymore. Anyway, Um, you know, the next round of realignment, they could say, Hey, like we saw what happened with COVID. We need to, we need to emphasize our travel budgets and things like that. So that could, maybe that changes things. So there are some positives that could come from it. And I think also, if nothing else, even if nobody plays football, this is a big lesson learned for everyone about managing so many different types of doomsday scenarios that can come across. And um, the next time something like this happens, God forbid, hope I mean, it's sh- almost surely it won't be as big of a deal, whatever it is, you know, whether it's a hurricane or some sort of delay to the season or, you know, changes in the rules about amateurism or whatever it is that that changes the sport, you know, coaches, players, programs will be more prepared for it. Um so I think that will be one of the big changes. I think I think the NCAA, you know, with the with the transfer policies and things like that, I think you'll see some relaxation. Um because I think people are realizing like there's no reason to like you don't have to like keep your foot on the neck of the players. They're already not getting paid. Like you don't have to it's just bad optics to go out and like deny a lot of waivers and stuff like that. Um so I think you'll probably see some changes in that regard. And like I said, I think eventually you'll see more organization across the sport and um, it could, we could look back on this 10 years from now and be like, man, that radically changed everything, not for the better or the worse, you know, it just for the next five, 10 years, it changed, you know, like the course of Because, like, what if some team wins a national championship in two years and it's like, because they got, you know, some player because of this through the transfer portal or something that could be like a legit swing moment. But I think, We could actually see some positives for the sport because the sport is, while we love the sport, it is unhealthy in a lot of ways and and bloated. Um, And I think maybe this will bring some more common sense back into it and then maybe some responsibility for the leaders of the sport. Um, But we'll just have to see how it goes over the next couple of years.
0: I was thinking as you were talking for, you know, in a lot of ways, quarantine or lockdown or however you want to describe it made us realize like, oh, why do we do X like this? Right. Like, oh, you know, a lot of these meet, a lot of people could probably work from home or, you know, a lot of these meetings that we have, we probably don't need or whatever. Like, there's a lot of this stuff that we've sort of figured out. And I. Yeah, do it's think, just
2: the way we've always done it. I do so think that's, scheduling, how, that's why it
0: stays that way. Right. Whatever. Exactly. And I do think scheduling could be, you know, one of those things that we just look back and go, wait, why did we do that?
2: And UEA is looking for a game that's in like 25 days yeah. like now. Um, and and
0: they're and they're probably going to be able to find it but then i mean cuz look let's be real like they don't want to not have to, not have that game um and then have to play tech the next week like you don't want to open the season at your arch rival like that's not you know that's that's not going that's not going
2: to Yeah it's just it, uh, if they were if they were playing like boston college in week 2 i would probably be like oh they'll just punt that game but it's so tough to just not you know and then you, you don't you want to know who you are even if it's against a team that's not that great um, and also I think Dave mentioned this a couple of days ago, but it helps tech in a sense to have UVA get filmed too. But I mean, if I was Bronco, I'd want to see them play against another team and you don't have to show everything. You know, you can, you can, you can hide a lot of stuff, but at least then you kind of get to see like, okay, does this look the way it looked in practice or not? You know?
0: Yeah. One thing I was also thinking about is, I mean, not to, to, to coin Dave's, uh, you know, we're so many minutes in, I'm throwing, I'm still machine. here, but <laughs> um like the we have not discussed the saliva test um which could be a significant um i'm not going to use the term game changer but it could be a significant development for you know sports um particularly (laughs) particularly college sports that would love to play um fairly soon so i mean i i mean just in case folks who are listening to this don't know what i'm talking about Uh, Yale and the um, NBA and the NBA Players Association had a joint um, effort to develop a a, basically a cheap saliva based um, COVID-19 test that um, can be administered essentially by any lab. So, I mean, the expectation, I think, is that like essentially any school that has a lab can do this. Um, It's a it's cheap. It is fairly easy to do. And it comes back and the results come back pretty quick. Um, and this is that 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 missing piece, so to speak um, When I saw this news, it was like I remember, you know, we were talking about the other week And like, you know, optimism is only down six, whatever I definitely had a feeling like optimism is making a comeback You know, optimism is making a run um, Because once I saw this, like, okay Now maybe this is potentially like a real thing Because without that, I just I don't know how you do it uh, And it has been very clear in the last 48 hours um, In South Bend and in Chapel Hill like we cannot trust college kids to do. Like college athletes seem to be doing the right thing. It's the kids at colleges that are not. I mean, like I saw. What is? I forget which one of you guys sent me that picture. At JMU is like a balcony just full of people smashed together. And like, what are y'all doing? Like, and I understand. Yeah, this whole you.
2: thing like, is like a seesaw. It's like, oh, good news, saliva test. Oh, bad, bad news. news. Every kid <laughs> is an is
0: a moron. Like it's just, oh man. But what's interesting has been to hear the players talk, right? Like, they don't seem to be super stressed about the other students coming back. And I think that sort of goes back to, like, Bronco those meetings that he had with the players, meetings he has with the parents, like, basically laying out that contract for them. Like, this is what you are going to be agreeing to if you do this. Um, that's not to say that some kid's not going to go out and spread it all over the locker room, right? But I'm just saying, like, it's it certainly seems like Virginia uh, understands maybe the um, – the circumstances, and I don't know if that's you know a lot of the a lot of that comes just from Bronco being who he is or what, but um, I don't know. I, I think the kids seem the kids don't seem as stressed about it maybe as those of us on the outside would be stressed about it. Um, Dave, you're like the the, the harbinger of doom. Um, why don't, <laughs> don't we quiet. why don't we wrap up this week with your uh, with with your thoughts on uh, the COVID? I mean, you do you you are the person who, again, I will give you credit. You were the one <laughs> Who was like Hey guys Basketball's not happening I was like Come on man the bas- They're gonna play the term." Dave was like Nope not happening And then you were right So Brad was like It's a public good <laughs> yeah.
2: It's good for the
0: people But it's so funny Like I think about that sometimes And I remember how sh- I, just, I was so sure That they were just They were just gonna kick fans out And we're gonna play it anyway And then they didn't do that um, Yeah Yeah Rudy Gobert. Anyway,
2: go ahead and give us. Some and, then, and then I remember Dave was like, they're gonna close the schools, and Brad was like, man, Dave's losing it. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: yeah. Dave's losing the it. The good old days
0: when, uh, when Dave was I'm the only harbinger of doom. Um, what do you think, dude? Do you do you? Ha- what is this saliva test a game
2: changer?
1: It is. I, if it, you know, if we if we like get it, to a
0: place where they can actually test the kids. Well, yeah. If
2: it's what's promised, I guess you know. Yeah, I mean
1: that's the thing. Like, you know, there's what. 350 million americans whatever the number is um like i like college football but if there's a lava test and you have to figure there's going to be there's going to be some cap on them you know we're having issues like the supply chains aren't healed yet so let's let's say it is it is a game changer do we need to be giving it to college athletes to play a game when we have students sitting at home learning on computers because they can't go back to school Uh, so i mean i think there's it's a game changer but is it is it changing the game we're, we're talking about? I don't know yet. Um, you know, NBA doing it because the NBA has got buckets of money. NCAA is trying to act like they don't. Right. So um, yeah, it, it certainly can be. I, I think it will. Um, I think what's on the radar for us, obviously is, stu- is students coming back to school and what that looks like. I mean, I think we, we can all agree from what we've seen. It's not going to look good. Um, I mean, Liberty went back today. I'll tell you, like I have some customers who kids started at Liberty and I've seen pictures already for them on social media. That's not going to last long. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the next phase of this is at it, it schools like Notre Dame, we didn't even mention that that was a running joke we had this week. Like, you know, Notre Dame's basically canceling classes for two weeks and they've said, you know, their president has basically said they're not playing football if the students can't be on campus. So if the ACC ends up getting bumped because Notre Dame doesn't play, I'm going to go back to salty Dave from, you know, you know, scheduling hype, you know, hypothetical scheduling days. Of, what was that two or three months ago? Um, so I mean, I think that's the next phase you're, you're going to see outbreaks at colleges. We, we all knew it was coming and it's going to come down to, I think at this point, most schools have have kind of laid it on the line that they recognize the college football athletes and and there's, you know, and I, I guess I should say student athletes, but college football athletes in particular aren't a student athlete because they're willing to do more stuff for them than they are and, and demand more of them. than They are the other students right now. So they've already lost that argument, but if they down, the next one is if the students can't be on campus at all, do you keep them there? And uh, is everyone who's willing, who said they're going to play this fall, willing to say, yeah, we'll do it if our students can't be here. Um, and what does it look like for those schools who don't? So I think that's the next phase. I think you're probably going to have a couple of schools bow out. I don't want to. Notre Dame's going to have a lot of pressure, but that's a lot of money for them too. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we've been through a lot the last 160 days. So what's a little more?
2: Yeah. I just <laughs> want to say one thing real quick because it's getting, I'm getting really tired of hearing this argument that I just think it's I'm sorry like, for making it. No, no, I just, <laughs> no. I, I think it's, I think it's like pretty surface level, like not really thinking. And I think the people who make this argument aren't necessarily completely wrong about where they're coming from, but this like, well, if all the other students leave, then they have to admit that the student athletes aren't really (laughs) students. And it's like, do you guys not know how college sports work? Like, do you not understand like that? They are different. Yes, they are. Obviously I'm not trying to fight the amateurism fight, but what i'm saying is like that or if that's your argument like that's the nail in the coffin like they have to make this designation it's like that is not that the fact that like you know i think mike DeCoursey, who who's like a national basketball writer He said, you know, like the the people not understand that like college basketball players play through the winter break, through the Thanksgiving break, you know, college baseball players are playing into the summer break. Like this is not the first time that they're being asked to do something that other students aren't being asked to do. And also, in part, they get to benefit from that in some ways. I mean, like they're like the football players are being tested every day or whatever. So like they're going to have a better idea of their own health than a lot of other students would you know and obviously there is the idea that they have to kind of opt in to play um i just think that argument is like you're looking to make the argument and that's the argument that you want to make like yeah you're looking to make the argument to aha like that's the end of amateurism and it's like yeah amateurism probably needs to be evaluated and changed but like or at least like reviewed and and they need to do something a little different but I mean, if you think this is what it like, this is the big difference. It's like, this has been going on. This is not new. It's just, it's just, you can't, people are just trying to fight that fight all the time. And it's like, you you can't use something like this as an anecdote is like, oh, well, obviously, you know, it's so different. If they were like, it's not safe to be on campus. Everyone has to leave, um, blah, blah, blah. And, And that could happen. And then they're like, but football players are required to stay or something. Then that's different. Um, Because they're saying, people are like, they're being treated like essential employees. No, they're not. Like, no one's requiring anyone to be there. I was an essential employee for UVA. I did not have a choice. If I didn't go to work in a snowstorm, I got fired. I didn't get to just be like, I'm not going to come in today. Like, that, you know, that wasn't on the table. So it's not the same.
1: Yeah. If anything, football, uh, football players should be, like, the school should be embracing the fact that football players aren't a student athlete right now. Because all their students are coming back and freaking things up. Their football teams have been on the grounds and had at most, you know, a few cases here and there. But um, now it's like it's just 18. to. I don't think it's you're right. It's probably it's not a going to be the end all be all of the argument. This argument was already well down the down the road. That's um, what I mean.
2: It's like it's, it's like just, that argument has been fought in the court of public opinion opinion for years and years. Like this is just yeah. one more piece of thing. If if you want to say it strengthens the case that they shouldn't be amateurs, yes,
1: oh, 100 does. Yeah, I
2: mean, but it, it, does, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, that's not the thing that's just like aha, it's proven. <laughs> like I don't. I
1: don't see it that way. Like no, it's not proven, but it probably makes it a little bit harder for, you know, the the member schools especially to say, are we willing to fund huge lawsuits denying this? When it's oh you know, yeah, the public opinion def- has changed. That's, that's definitely true. I think that, and I, yeah, think I think the think people,
2: some true. of the people who are reporting on it, aren't wrong. They're bringing up good points, but it's like people are acting like they the, the the schools like walk themselves into this situation, and it's like, well, no. I mean, this is kind of just how it works, right? Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, if the, if that's how schools, college sports has worked <laughs> for a long time, I mean, some schools might be willing
1: to do it now. I mean, if you look at if you figure about a million dollars or so is what most of the estimates I see for testing for a football program for the season are going to be, you you combine that with ticket loss sales and you can start paying kids like 25 or 30 grand a year. Um, and that's only a couple million bucks for an 85 scholarship roster. That certainly start, sounds really affordable versus going through this every year. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that it does help the argument. It, it's not the reason for the argument. It's not going to end it. Um, but I think it certainly it is probably the, it is probably getting us to the bottom of the, to the end of that mythical amateurism rule, um, and I say that as someone who's who's wanted to hold on to that, hold on to that student athlete moniker more than most.
2: Yeah, I think we're at the end of that there's no more like permutations of that argument to be had. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's kind of, maybe that's my frustration more than anything. It's like, we've already had this discussion. (laughs) Like, you know, like you're not breaking. That's probably what it is for me. It's like, people think they're like breaking some sort of story. And it's like, no, this is, this is a thing that has been going on for years. Like this is not new, you know, like this isn't changing the way that sports work. It's just amplifying it and change, you know, like making it a little different. Um, but yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, there are there is a lot of... And, and I said this last week or the week before on the podcast. I can see how a conference like the Big Ten would would throw their hands up. Because you, you get in a room and you start talking about this stuff, and it's like, okay, how much would this test cost? All right, well, what about the saliva test? All right, well, how are we going to keep them safe? Oh, and then throw lawsuits on top of it. It's like, okay, you start getting to a point where it's like, is this worth saving, you know? Um, especially for, like, just a conference season with limited postseason, you know, it's not quite the same. No fans in the stands. Um, I could see how a league could get to that decision and make it. Um, But I also see how a league like the ACC could say, you know, we want to see what happens. Um, It doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you what happened at UNC and that Notre Dame was going to happen. Like, we all knew that. (laughs) So apparently the school administrators didn't, but we knew. You know, we talked about it. So. I and mean, we
0: also got to be, I mean, let's not be naive, right? It's like, a money. Schools needed these kids to, to, to show up and then for it to happen so they could get them checks. Like, I mean, I, I don't know about y'all, but I mean, maybe they'll give them, maybe there will be some sort of, you know, proration or some, something. But like, they, they were doing their best to get that, that tuition and, and fee and, and room and board. I mean, they were, you know, I mean, that's that part to me is obvious. Like, I don't think there's any way to get around it.
2: It's the same thing as football. I think they wanted to show the effort, too. Like, hey, we did everything we could, you know. Because now it's like if the ACC cancels in like two weeks, I think a lot of their fans would feel better about it knowing like, hey, they did try, you know. They wouldn't – a lot of people wouldn't be happy. But um, I think a lot of the Big Ten impact – well, the Big Ten, you know, especially because they have all the petition and all that stuff going on. I think a lot of their frustration was it felt like they just punted it away. Like no students had come back yet. You know, none of that. So it felt yeah. like they were just like we, we we throw our hands up and give up. Whereas like the other leagues were like, well, let's just see what happens. Um, that the latter yeah, the big may team, bite a- them in the ass later. You know, if there's a big outbreak or something, but it yeah. might not. So we'll see what happens. Who we yeah. should just take bets at the end of every show, like what we're going to be talking about next time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We should.
0: Uh, No, we shouldn't. Um, If you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. Um, Go ahead and and subscribe. That way, they will show up um, sometimes in the middle of the night. Um, And if you're inclined, give us a rating review. Helps to get us out in front of more people. If you're somebody who's found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out CavsCorner.com. Let's see, right now I've got I had a story on Richard Burney and Jawan Briggs And how they were um, basically doing all they can To sort of stay focused And not really think about the Everything else on the outside um, I had a feature up on uh, Aiden Ryan One of the aforementioned 21 um, recruits uh, Who was recently, I guess last month Was in a, um, in was one an unofficial unofficial As I like to call them With a bunch of guys And he talked about, you know, all of the um, the the things that came from that um, I mentioned earlier that UVA had done a really nice job of allowing Us to have um, different Pieces of media from um, Access um, Press conferences that kind of thing So I, I've got a video of Kelly Popinga Talking about the linebackers creating havoc I've got video of Vic uh, Excuse me, Oluola Watimi talking about His confidence and the experience of the all- Offensive line, got Rankins Meyer talking about um, The opportunity ahead um, I'm also going to put a link in there for um for story on uh, Rashawn Henry um, Who's doing all he can to contribute wherever UVA wants and needs him And then lastly, um, just on the hoops front There's a pretty um, uh, Lively discussion Of several re- basketball Recruiting conversations uh, In a um, um, thread about um, Corey Evans' Twitter Tuesday piece Focusing on, at least from UVA's point of view, Trevor Keels and Ben Gregg
1: all right, that was all a mouthful.
0: Uh, if you are, um, um, I don't know, if you are happy and uh, and want to subscribe to the website, please hit that link that is in your show notes as well as in the content item for this uh, podcast. And uh, we hope to see you on the message board side uh, very soon. Again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate all that they do all that they give for David Spence and Justin Ferber and Brad Franklin publisher of catscorner.com thanks for coming out see you soon